hello. <laughs> this is a brand new episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. This may be going up on Wednesday, maybe it's not. I'm recording on Wednesday and uh, let's just say the focusing an episode on a single game experiment failed terribly. I didn't enjoy doing that, and it just felt like I was wasting my time. So I'm going back to the smorgasbord of games and whatnot for an episode. They're going to be long, once a week, again. And the only changes will be that it'll be maybe a bit more free-flowing. I'm going to try and tidy up my opinions and talking points about each individual game to just give you what you need to know to try and self-edit myself, which is really hard to do for anyone to speak off the cuff, improv it, if you will, and to not have any fluff in there. When you're writing, you can vomit all your thoughts out there and then cut it down, get rid of all the bullshit, and then give people just the information they need through the editing process. You're not really going to do that. Even if I were to edit this, which I'm maybe hopefully trying to not get myself to do, but also the timestamps, not going to deal with that because that is something that takes time. And time is something I don't have a lot of right now. And I don't think the timestamps were really used that much. I didn't get much feedback about, oh, I'm so happy that the timestamps are here. So those are, those are going out the door as well but i'm gonna try and keep things moving at a steady pace and yeah i'm just gonna get right into it with uh, all that i've been playing and of course these uh games have been played for varied amounts of length something i've just touched just a little touch nothing nothing creepy nothing weird don't worry about it but some i've played more significant amounts of time with or put more significant amounts of time into them. <sighs> That's where I could probably have edited something out, but I'm not going to do that. Anywho, also, I am Marcus Nez. Didn't say that, but I am Marcus Nez, your host of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast, which you surely know, unless this is your first episode. And if this is your first episode, I'm sorry, because this is going to be potentially an absolute mess. But I have a lot to talk about, including Streets of Rage 4, the Mr. X DLC recently came out, and I got my hands on that for a bit, Death's Door, Dungeons and Dragons, Dark Alliance, The Forgotten City, Urban Trial Tricky, Blightbound, Trigger Witch, <clears throat> I gotta uh, clear my throat, Loop Index, Fishing, North Atlantic, Metro Simulator, Yuki, and 1976 Back to Midway. So that's a, a cool what? Dozen games or so? Some of them I'm barely going to touch on. Spoilers, Fish in North Atlanta and Metro Simulator, they don't really need that much, but uh, I'll get to them when I get to them. Let's just start off with Streets of Rage 4. So the Mr. X DLC introduces a fair amount of content for not that much. I I want to say it's $5, but if it's $5, it's a good amount of content for $5. So what you get in the Mr. X DLC is a new survival mode, which is basically just an endless mode. You are thrown into a small arena-type space that will have enemies spawning in and containers that will have objects, whether that be food or weapons. And you fight all the enemies until you defeat the last one. And at the end of each round, each stage, you are given two options, two perks to take, which could be something like... Increasing your defense, increasing your attack, having it so that damaging enemies will increase your health, but then healing items, food and everything, they won't do anything for you. They'll just add to your score and stuff like that. And and so on. You have status effects or effects to your attack, like electricity, acid, blah, 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 blah. And you're just trying to get as far as you can. While playing this, you are also leveling up your various characters. So there's this new leveling system as well for every one of the characters. And what you get by leveling up is the ability to change out your moves. So you'll be able to switch out this move 
like with Adam, his uppercut when he does a dash to a different type of uppercut attack and so on. Uh, I've only dabbled with the new movesets and I'm not sure if there's anything that really changes between them outside of them being strictly cosmetic. But it's nice to have that there and it's nice to have any reason to play more just to have these, this leveling system for each character, which you know is just a, a minor little thing that'll make you wanna keep playing more. But in addition to the survival mode, they have introduced three new playable characters they're all bosses from the main game. So you have Shiva, which is the one I really care about and it was the one I was most excited about, which is the ninja samurai dude. Then you have the lady cop and the pro wrestler. And uh, I've, I've only played with Shiva and I like the way he feels. But it's just nice having more playable characters, even though there's already so many, if you include all the Streets of Rage 2 and three characters and their pixel selves but for what i think is not that much money it's a nice addition to what was already an amazing game it is a great incentive to go back to streets of rage 4 because you have that new leveling system the survival mode is fun and it's addictive and it's set up in a way where they will have new challenges every week that you can do or you can just do random ones and just go with that way and it's just, it's fun. You'll, you'll go through like three rounds, I think, of just regular enemies. And then you'll have a boss-ish fight. And the way it lets you know, if, if you're playing through the main game or in the survival mode, and you're playing a boss that is of the character you're playing, because in the survival mode, they'll also throw in bosses, quote-unquote bosses, that are the regular playable characters. So my first boss was against another version of Adam. And what they do is just sort of make him this neon-y looking thing. It, it, it's very clear and easy to tell which one you are and which one is the boss. So you never have to worry about that. But yeah, it's, it was just a pleasure to return to that game, my game of the year from last year. Still feels fantastic, still looks amazing. And I think the additions are nice. Sure, it would be better. I would have preferred just another campaign, but I think that's more of a big ass. That's something you would expect in the Streets of Rage 5, right? So out of what we could have gotten, I'm, I'm happy with what the Mr. X's DLC turned out to be. It's fun, and uh, I dig it. Then Death's Door is a... I know some people call it Souls-ish, but you're not losing any of your currency. And I've seen a lot of comparisons to Link to the Past. And people saying they like it more than Link to the Past. Like it's a better version of that. And I'm like, oh, don't know about that. But you play as this crow-looking bird. It's a world of birds. And you are working for the Soul Collection Agency or whatever it is. And you're tasked with collecting a few giant souls. And these giant souls, of course, are bosses. And it plays simply enough. You have your basic attack, a dodge roll to get out of the way. And I think that's it. I played it for three hours during a stream. And the standout to me is by far the visuals. I think it looks fantastic. But in terms of gameplay and everything else, I thought it was fine. And I'm sure that part of it is going into it with... It's not that I had high expectations. It's just that I had in the back of my head the knowledge that so many people were really fawning over this game and calling it one of the best games of the year. And I don't feel that at all. The music is repetitive and not great. There was one track I thought was really good. But outside of that, I found a lot of the music to be fine. But with how often you hear it, a lot of it, I was growing pretty sick of it. The combat feels... Pretty good, but it's the thing about it is that it's it's relatively easy. Comparatively so to games like this, it is a pretty easy one of them. And that's not a bad thing, but I found it less engaging because of that. What makes it even easier or what really adds to that ease and accessibility is the fact that you don't lose much of anything at all. You just lose a bit of progress in terms of where you are in the level when you die. You're not losing any of the 
currency you have, the, the souls you have that you use to upgrade your character. And there's not a lot of upgrading options. You just have four or five skill trees, and they have five points each. So it's a pretty simple, like it's, it's, it's just very simple. And I like that. I do wish there was a map of any sort, whether it be one you check in the menus or a mini map that you could put on the screen when you're playing because it can get a little easy to get lost in certain areas, especially the hub-ish world. But it's fine. I just, I, I wasn't drawn to keep playing and I kind of was growing sick of it after an hour of playing it. So I, I may have just not been in the right mindset because it's mechanically sound. It looks great. It sounds fine, but is repetitive. And it, it lacks a strong challenge. At least the first three hours, I, I didn't feel any kind of significant challenge. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's okay. Then Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance is a game I was excited about even though it was clear right from the get-go that it wasn't going to be exactly what I wanted from a Dark Alliance game, me wanting a Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 3, essentially. And this is not that. It is more... I'm not saying it's more action-centric, but given that the camera is ground-level and closer up on your character and the, the combat feels more... I don't know. Musoey or whatever. Very button mashy. It just the environments look good, but the characters look weird. There is, at least on my character, the exposure was blown out on his hair, especially. I was playing as the human with the hammer. I I was very distracted by the fact that you're not you're not attached to the ground. That is something I always notice. That is maybe my biggest pet peeve in games of this ilk. Uh, basically third person games where you're controlling a character on screen. If I don't feel like I'm situated on the ground, then I have a real big problem with it. Because there's just this disconnect I can't escape. And that exists in Dark Alliance. Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. I don't... I'm not sure if it did alleviate itself at some point but I did check right away because I, I could tell immediately it's not something that you kind of think is there or isn't I checked and I moved the camera away and was able to tell that my character was basically an inch or two off the ground he was just walking on air essentially and that was a constant distraction for a lot of the early goings on I eventually just sort of ignored it because there were other things going on but the game itself is a lot of fine games this uh, here week. But it's, it's, it's okay. It is a perfect Game Pass game. It is the kind of game that if you bought it, you'd maybe be disappointed. If you just wanted a regular hack and slashy thing where you're collecting loot and leveling up and stuff like that, you couldn't enjoy it. But it... What it reminds me most, at least structurally, is of the Vermintide games. Because you're going into these instance levels and you can't change your loot or anything. You can't adjust your character in any way during the level. You have to wait until you finish the level and return to the hub world where you're then able to collect all the loot you found in a level and then equip what you want, sell stuff, go to the store, buy things, upgrade your attribute points and all that jazz. So when you're in a level, you can't do any of that stuff, which I do like. It was frustrating at first, but then I thought to myself, since this is all level-based and it's not some you know, ongoing thing or whatever, some congruent story or whatever, it makes sense that you're not able to just freely change at any time because what it does is it keeps your focus on the game and the level and just getting through the area as opposed to constantly going into the menus and fiddling with things every time you pick up something new. Oh, I just got a new piece of gear. I got a new necklace. Let me go in the menu and see what that's like. And let me compare it to this thing. You're not doing that. So that is nice. That is one benefit of 
having the inability to change any of that stuff in an actual level. There's also co-op. I didn't mess around with the co-op at all, but I played that for three hours as well. And yeah, I had a good enough time with it, but I wasn't, I wasn't drawn to keep playing. I just kept playing because I was streaming it. I was having a good time interacting with chat and just kind of just shooting the shit. It's a, it's a, it's a good game for mindless play. It's a good podcast game, and I'm sure if you have someone to play with, it'd be fun too. There are six different difficulty levels. You can change between them. They're, they're, the, the, the levels themselves will tell you, oh, if you play on this one, it'll be easy given your current build and your current character's level and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's fun, but then the, the thing is, I jump back. Also, I wish there was a mini-map in this game as well because... There will be branching paths multiple times. And I just, I want to, in these games, I want to see all of the map. And there were multiple times where I would go down a path and like, oh, I've already gone here. Or it's a looping path where I didn't really need to bother going those few extra steps or whatever. And having a mini map of some sort would be really nice. You know, it does have a mini map. Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, and Dark Alliance 2. I booted up the remaster of the first game jesus christ i love that game it was so much fun i played it for maybe 10 minutes but it was still as fun as i remember maybe they cleaned it up a bit because it did look sharp and at least not aliased or anything so it, it was nice and clean the visuals and it still looks good which i'm sure is in part because of the camera and the way it's pulled back it's a diablo-esque camera perspective that isometric but closer in so it's like a middle ground between being all in on your character like in the new dark alliance and not as far back as a diablo game but i think the camera perspective is great and it still is a lot of fun to play the the combat is simple but satisfying and then the water still is fucking impressive it was the most impressive water i'd ever seen at that time one of the most impressive visual things i had ever seen at the time and it still is impressive today i, I find it great but um yeah i i booted that up for 10 minutes i'm like jesus i just want to play through this entire thing which i may end up doing relatively soon it's a bummer though that 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 remaster costs 30 dollars. i think this new version of dark alliance this new dark alliance game that is costs 40 dollars uh the standard basic version and the the remaster of Baldur's gate dark alliance they just they didn't do enough with it. All they really had to do was add online co-op, but they didn't do that. If it had online co-op, I would forgive the fact that they really didn't do anything else. I wouldn't even care because really, what, what do you want from the game? You want to be able to play it online with your friends and not be forced to play local, which is difficult for some of us to do. So, yeah. Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance is still amazing. Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance is okay. The, the real highlight, though, of the week is the Forgotten City. And I'm not going to talk too much about this because it is a, a game of spoilers, of mystery, and it's all about experiencing it for yourself. And I recommend it without question to anyone who is interested by what they are about to hear. I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it was started off as a... Skyrim mod, I believe, and developed primarily by three or four people over four years. And the way it works is that you are this dude or lady, and you wake up on this beach, and you can make a few choices to pick your backstory and whatever, but then you are told to go searching for this dude. And you find out that he took this portal back to this ancient area, like 2,000 years in the past or whatever, or uh, maybe even longer. But that doesn't matter. It's the Forgotten City. You're transported to this Forgotten City where there is this golden rule. And the golden rule is the, the sin of one will kill the many or whatever. Basically, if anyone commits any kind of sin then everyone will die. 
And you arrive there when someone is about to commit a sin. And you are trying to figure out who is the perpetrator, what's going on, who everyone is. And it's set up in a Groundhog Day way where this will happen or that will happen. And then a chain reaction will start to go into place and then you will want to leave and then restart your day. And and when you restart after things happen, for instance, one of the, the early things you do is meet a character who is like the doctor and she wasn't able to save someone because she didn't have the medicine because the guy who has the medicine is price gouging and is charging an absolute fortune for it. So when you meet that guy, you can choose to steal his medicine right then and there. When you do that, guess what? You committed a crime, you committed a sin, the world starts collapsing, these golden statues come to life and start shooting arrows at you, and, and everyone's just dying. And you're tasked with getting back to that portal and just escaping. And when you do that, you get back to where you came in from the portal and back from the very beginning of that cycle, and you retain all the information you've gathered from your previous runs, and you retain any objects you've gathered. So that medicine that you stole the first time where everything went shit, you still have it. But that sin was in that other version, that other day, whatever you want to call it. So that has no effect on this current version of the world. And I'll just leave it at that. I think it is a very fascinating game. I like the fact that it isn't about combat, that it is very dialogue-centric and choice-driven. And even when you finish it, you will be drawn to... Because there is like a finite ending. Uh, I mean, there are multiple ones. But there is a finite point. But there are reasons to replay it. And I just found it to be really fascinating and engaging and unique and interesting. I, I really liked it. There are technical issues... Uh, textures popping into weird places, flickering and blending, not blending in, but coming through other textures. So th there are some visual hiccups and the visuals themselves aren't the best, but the story, the writing, the gameplay, the voice acting are all good to great. And it's, it's well worth checking out. I, I definitely recommend that quite a bit. Then Urban Trial Tricky is a trials-like racer, but with a twist. It's Trials meets Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. There are actual races, but those seem to be the minor aspect of the game. They're just thrown in there, and they kind of suck, and you should just ignore them. The trick-based and objective-based missions and levels, whatever you want to call them, they're not races, those are the much more interesting things. So, like Trials, Urban Trial Tricky is a side-scrolling, physics-based motorcycling game. It is much more colorful and vibrant and very pleasant to look at, whereas Trials is typically a bit more muddy and not grungy, but just more gritty, I guess. It's, it's, it, the Trials games visually never really stand out. I guess they tried to with the, the most recent one with all the unicorns and shit. But even then, I've, I've never found any of the Trials games to really pop in any kind of visual way. It's all been gameplay first and foremost, which is fine. Gameplay is key, and the Trials games feel pretty damn good. In Urban Trial Tricky, it controls the same way. You're, you're worrying about your balance and all that. It seems to be more forgiving to go along with its more bright and cheery visuals. But what I was referring to earlier is that, yes, you have races, which ask you to go from the starting point to the finish line. Those kind of suck, and it, it's in part because regardless of what type of race or whatever event event is the, the right term you would use here whatever kind of event you are doing the levels all feel relatively samey 
and why the races in particular suck is because the level design isn't that great. It works for the other type of events, but for the races, it's pretty bland. It's not that exciting, and it's pretty damn easy. I can't think of any of the races where it's like, oh, yeah, this is really challenging. But the other two events are, one, a Simon Says type of thing where they will throw out tricks for you to perform, to to do, and then you'll do them, and then you'll get a new trick, and you just keep doing this within the time limit. But the much more interesting and unique and fun event is the one that is basically like a traditional Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. You got two minutes, but you have three minutes in this game. Uh, But you have however many minutes you have to score as many points as you can while also having a few objectives that you can complete as well, like collecting five snacks in the world, collecting this much money in the world, doing these specific tricks, doing this, that, and whatnot. You'll usually have five objectives per event i believe and then your star rating is based on your score so you you don't have to worry about any of the objectives to get the stars which are needed to unlock additional levels but i really like that mode it's just a fun chill experience and the the trick mechanics in the game feel not too bad you have the ability, of course, to do backflips and front flips, wheelies and stoppies, and then you can modify tricks and do certain things like a Superman, etc., by pressing either the X or Y button. And they have variations on tricks by tapping X and then holding Y or vice versa and stuff like that to increase your repertoire. You don't have that many tricks to choose from, so you are pretty limited, but... It feels good to perform the tricks, and I like those modes. The The real problem with the game, though, is that it is pretty samey and repetitive, and it feels like I've played it for an hour. I feel like I've seen everything the game has to offer. I don't really know what else there is to it. I mean, with the, the limited trick system and how many you have to perform... On you, I mean, you'll unlock more that you can switch out other tricks with, but you don't really have many choices in any given run. Uh, so that's that's probably the game's biggest letdown. And yeah, it just it seems like there's a lack of substantial content there that would keep you coming back for more. But I do like the game I just I don't know what kind of legs it's going to have I have a desire to go back to it a bit more but I could see in my second hour play feeling like I've gotten all I'll, all I would get out of the game and be done with it which isn't bad but at the same time I got a code for it so I didn't pay for it if I paid for it maybe I'd feel more let down it is really hard to gauge that uh which is always a problem reviewing things or whatever, is trying to make any kind of value judgment for the dollar. And everyone's different when it comes to how much they want or expect from a game for however much it costs. But it is, it, it, it controls well. That's important. It controls well. There's also a spin ability, which you use with the, the B button on Xbox, which is utilized when you hit the end of a track and say the the Tony Hawk event type thing, and you want to turn around to head back in the other direction, you can also use it to do 180s and so on, and use it while doing backflips to do 360 flips and all that jazz. Mechanically, it feels pretty good. Visually, I like how colorful it is. It's got a very bright, cheerful, and super pleasant aesthetic. All the characters are fun. I have this unicorn type of bike, which is cool. I like it. But yeah, it's 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 a nice little game. I just don't know how little it actually is. It may be very little, and that could be its ultimate downfall. But just looking at it mechanically, gameplay-wise, all that, I do like it quite a bit. I think it's a fun little game. 
uh, especially the the modes that are more focused on doing tricks and completing objectives. The races themselves, which make up a third of the content, if that, but a third max, those suck. Thankfully, you don't have to do them too much. And, th and those suck just because all the levels and areas feel pretty samey, similar, and the level design themselves, even if visually they weren't as similar, the level design doesn't lend itself to exciting jumps or anything of that sort. It's pretty pretty dull when all you're doing is racing and not really concerned with doing tricks or any stuff like that and chaining things together. But yeah, that is again Urban uh, Trial Tricky. And it's it's not too bad. Not too bad. Then Blightbound is like a beat-em-up game where you are controlling a squad a group of characters you only control one of them though but you have a a group of three with you including yourself and in this game you are tasked with finding more heroes so that you'll have more options and whatever my problem with the game like there are a lot of things i like about it systems wise the various leveling systems the fact that you have your your manor refuge keep whatever it was called specifically that is constantly upgrading and allowing you to do more things and you're able to improve all your characters i like all these leveling systems and whatnot i'm a sucker for leveling and any kind of unlocking and progress building crap but my problem with the game is that when it comes to actually playing it it is incredibly frustrating it can get so busy on screen that it is very hard at times, many times, to see what is actually going on, where you are, uh, and where your character is situated in the screen, and whether or not you're close to... Like, there's just so many instances where the, the screen is overflowing with information, whether it is damage numbers, or I don't know if they're actually damage numbers, but it's just like particle effects everywhere, various health bars, and it just becomes an absolute mess. And then on top of that, I'm playing on the Series X, and when it gets really busy, the performance also dips. And that's not pleasant either. So as much as I like a lot of what's going on in the game, and it looks good too, I, I like the visual style. It has almost a, in terms of the lighting and shadow and, and overall aesthetic, a similar vibe and feel to Octopath and those types of games where there's a lot of contrast and a lot of heavy shading. So it looks nice. It's not pixel art, but the the lighting and overall vibe of it gives me a very Octopath type of feeling. But it just isn't fun to play because when shit gets crazy and shit often gets crazy, you're really ever, ever fighting a handful of enemies or just two or whatever. It's usually very busy. And every time it gets busy, it is just a mess to try and read the screen and what's going on, what you're doing, where you are. It's just, it's, it's, it's a mess. And the performance stuff is also disappointing. I'm, I'm always disappointed when I see a game like this which you look at and you're like, why this shouldn't have issues with performance, right? I'm, I'm no developer, but I look at this game and I don't understand why it would be struggling on this Series X. But yeah, it, it feels like maybe with... The thing is, the performance can be improved. I don't know how you improve the, the busyness and all that. I guess you can remove some of the particle effects and this and that, but that, that is something that I, I don't think will change. And that is the bigger problem. Performance is annoying, but the busyness of the action on screen is the actual problem that makes the whole thing not fun to play. Then Trigger Witch is a twin six shooter where you are this young witch who is ready to graduate and whatever, and then you get this gun. There's a story. It's fine. Whatever. But it's a twin six shooter. And I don't 
think it controls all that well. It has pixel art that is fine, but not that great. I'm not overly fond of it. And what I find really frustrating, or just weird, is that it is a bright and colorful and cherry game. Seems like it would be great for maybe younger folk. But then when you get into the action, after you go through all the story content, it's very story heavy right off the bat. And get your gun. When you kill your first enemy, you'll notice something right away. It is one of the bloodiest games I've seen in a while. It is so fucking bloody. It's ridiculous. I can't believe how bloody it is. It is crazy. Thankfully, there's a pinata mode in the settings, which will change all the blood to candy. And I think that should have been the default. I don't think there should have been an option to make it bloody. I don't see I don't see what having all the blood does for the game. It it doesn't it just makes it weird. It makes it seem weird. And I don't feel like the story is making it seem like there's a genuine reason for all the blood either. So it just is this weird choice that seems to limit the audience. Of course, there is the option to turn on pinata mode, but I don't know why we even need that option. Pinata mode, when I turn that on and everything turned to candy, I'm like, yeah, this this seems way more... It just made the entire experience feel better. I felt less, less icky about my time playing it. But I, I don't think that mechanically it feels that great as a twin-six shooter. Uh, you might get better weapons that are more fun to use later down the line, but just the basic pistol you get right off the bat wasn't super fond of it. And your character's controls and movement didn't feel that great. It just feels not that great. Would not recommend. Plenty of twin-six shooters out there. Not overly fond of this. It's also very, very easy. Very easy, very simple. But the, the, the gameplay was not my jam. You have a dash ability where you can dash through uh, obstacles and traps and stuff like that. That didn't feel that good. It, it's it's responsive, but there also feels like there's this weird-ish delay. I don't know. It just did not feel right. It felt a bit off. Then Loop Index is a puzzle game where you're controlling two robots at the same time. You control them individually. You don't have to control them simultaneously. But the way it works is that you are trying to get them both into this little, like, area this little space to clear a level and you will have to open pass create pass move them along these platforms uh, open gates have one of them step on a, a, a button to open this gate and then move a box or whatever and the looping isn't exactly looping as much as it is just setting them in a direction and then having them go. So you have these two robots that you can switch between whenever on the fly. And if you want them to keep moving when you're not controlling them, on the, on the Xbox at least, you, you hit the X button. And they will keep moving in whatever direction they were last moving in. They'll just keep moving forward. And they'll push objects. They'll do whatever. They'll just keep moving forward until you turn them off. Until you press the X button again to, to stop their quote-unquote loop. But it's not really a loop because they're not looping. They're just, I mean, I guess you'd call it a loop. You can call it a loop that you're looping going forward. But it's really just you're giving them the direction to keep going forward in whatever direction they're, they're, they were last moving in. But it's a, it's a fine little puzzle game. Uh I played the first 10 levels or so, and I enjoyed it. It's it's nothing too crazy. It's a Rodalaki Games joint, so it's five bucks. I don't... Uh, it may still be on sale ever so briefly for $4, but that launch discount might be donezo by this point. But it's a solid little puzzle game, of course, with it being Rodalaki, good for achievement points as well. Yeah, I mean, not that much to it. You're pressing switches 
to open pathways, to hide traps. If you do something where there's a point of no return, you just hold a Y button and you'll reset everything. Levels are relatively short and pretty simple overall. So, yeah, fine little puzzle game. Then Fishing North Atlanta is a fishing game that takes its sweet ass and just allowing you to fish. There's a lot of tedium in it, which is frustrating. A lot of boating. There's fast travel, but until you get to a point, you can't fast travel there, which makes sense. But it just... It's a fishing game where there's not nearly a much... A nutch, a much... Whatcha? There's not nearly enough fishing in the game. There's way more team and other stuff going on that gets in the way of what you really want to do, which is fish. Maybe you do like boating. I don't know, but I found that to be really boring. And because it's not visually that impressive, I just wanted to get to the actual fishing. If it looked like Sea of Thieves or something, I'd be like, yeah, I I can look at this water all day. I don't care that I'm not fishing just yet because it looks so fucking beautiful, but this doesn't. And it's just, it's a bummer because I like fishing games. I like to fish. In games, I hate fishing in real life. But in video games, I like fishing. And it just felt like this game was getting in the way. And then it's a bit clunky and not super intuitive using it with a controller. But I'm playing it on Xbox. Uh, the menus and all that. And just some of the stuff you have to do in order to use your ship or your, your boat. It seems like there are added steps that maybe are realistic, but also seem weird in how you're able to control your ship and multiple ways i don't know um but yeah there there are many fishing games on all the platforms but on xbox specifically there are many fishing games out there that you can choose from there are free to play ones and fishing north atlantic doesn't do anything that warrants playing it over others and especially when there are free to play options it doesn't do anything to warrant you dropping however much. I think it's like maybe 30 bucks on it to play it over other options. Then Metro Simulator is, I believe, one of them indie, what's them called? You can play it on Xbox. There are no achievements, no achievements in the game. But you are controlling a train, a Metro train. And this makes... Fish in North Atlantic seem very intuitive and very easy to control and understand the, the, the cumbersome nature of Metro Simulator is through the roof and it doesn't look that great and it's just a bit of a mess. I played it for a little bit and I quickly just, I could not stick with it because it's just a pretty messy, messy game. Then uh, Yuki... These last two are VR games. Yuki is a roguelite shmup. And the way it works in VR is that you have this little anime girl, essentially, in like a Valkyrie type of outfit. Uh, She's got a nice little suit on, her skin-tight suit, and her wings. And you pick her up, and then you go through the levels. You do your run. If If you die... Then you'll start over from the very beginning, but any of the resources you collect, you can use to get permanent upgrades for your character. So it is a roguelite, very much so. And the way it works is that you pick her up with your right hand, and then in your left hand, you have this, and maybe you can maybe you can alternate the hands if you're lefty or righty or whatever. But in your left hand, at least in my left hand, I had this robot cat head, which I could use to freeze enemies in place for a short period of time. But with her, you move her around the area, and you shoot bolts from her. And she is the only the only part of the space the, of the, the game that is vulnerable to attacks. Bullets will come flying in all directions. And your immediate reaction might be to avoid them yourself as well. That you, that you will take damage in addition to her taking damage. But she is the only thing that can take damage. She's relatively small. She's basically just your hand. Just think of your hand as the one vulnerable point of the game space and that makes it kind of easy unless you have trouble knowing where your arm is at all times because you don't really want to look at it and you don't want to like keep it centered or anything so you just need to be able to know and be aware of your space 
but the game itself is just kind of boring and is weird too in some ways in that you will have these obstacles that are coming at you, which I guess they want you to avoid with your body to better see the space and enemies in front of you, but you can just, they don't do any damage to you if you move through them or even if Yuki herself moves through them. So they're just, they seem weird. Their, their entire existence seems weird. And it's mildly disorientating to have them because you feel like you should be avoiding them, but you don't have to. And that that disconnect compared to like every other VR game I've had where of this ilk where they want you to avoid that thing or you will take damage. Having it not take damage, oh, yeah, I did not like it. I did not like the way that felt. Uh, it felt pretty weird. But overall, the game, it's it's okay. I, I wasn't super into it compared to a lot of the VR games I've played. I'll say that it is visually impressive. I think it looks pretty good. At least like the character model and the the sharding space and the environments look pretty good. Some of the enemies are eh. But uh, the bigger enemies and the environments look pretty good as well as the Yuki model herself. But the game itself is just kind of boring. A little bit dull. Same thing, really. Boring and dull. And the last but not least is 1976 Back to Midway, which is another VR game. It's one of those app... I forget what they're called. App. Like, early access type of thing or whatever, where it's like, ugh, It's a little bit rough around the edges. And it is a vertical scrolling shmup that is very much so inspired by the 19xx series specifically and it's a fun little shmup though the way it works is that for the most part in levels it's set up like you're in a big movie theater and you're playing the game on a giant screen you control the plane uh, like you do there are there are multiple options i messed around with the realistic one or whatever where you're controlling the actual plane using the the joystick and there are there are two other options though a hybrid one and a more simplified one if you find that to be a little bit uh difficult because it is it's a very sensitive controlling it the way i did using the the joystick like i'm actually flying a plane and the way it works is that for much of the level it's just like a traditional vertical scrolling shmup but you will have these little power-up type things show up in levels here and there that are immersion points. And when you hit them, you will do a little like flip, a little backflip or whatever. And then you will transition to a first person perspective and play a section in first person. Those are very cool. I like that. I like those bits the most. I think the regular vertical scrolling sections are fine. But the fact that it's just you essentially playing a game on a movie theater screen, that never really does anything for me in VR because I don't I don't really get that sense of scale or awe that I would in a real movie theater. I know it's trying to present it in that way, but I don't I have never been in a VR theater and thought, oh my God, I'm in a I'm in a real theater. I just think, oh I'm it, it feels very fake to me. But when you get to those immersion points, it's pretty cool. But, yeah. It's solid. It's just, yeah. Much of the gameplay is the regular, just whatever, movie theater screen stuff. And that that's, that your your mileage will vary. If, if you don't mind that type of gameplay, then definitely check it out. If, especially if you like these vertical scrolling shmups. And especially if you like the 19xx games which i do those might be my favorite shmups uh but yeah it's all right anyway that will do it for this here return to a bunch of nonsense this uh was a bit of a messy show i think but it was all right it was all right right i think it was okay anywho that will do it for this here episode of the pixelated sausage podcast once again I am Marcus Ness. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. You can 
Watch me stream weeknights 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time over at twitch.tv slash pxsausage. Come stop on by. I'm currently playing through Dead Space 3 for Attack the Backlog. And uh, the first stream, the first night was uh, all over the place. I'll just leave it at that. Hopefully this, this next one will just be more normal. I hope. 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 I, <laughs> I was trying to do the, the whatever. Is it the Seven Dwarf song? And I completely just forgot the melody of that at all. I hope, 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 I hope. That's it, right? Yeah. I got it the second time. I know what I'm doing. Anywho, you can also go over to youtube.com slash sausage to watch the more edited fancy schmancy episodes. I recently put up an episode for Attack the Backlog about... What was the last one? It wasn't Nine Monkeys of Shaolin. It was Pumpkin Jack. That was the last one which has some really terrible humor in the beginning. Uh, but it was fun. And uh, yeah, I think the next one will probably be Doki Doki Literature Club. And uh, if you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go back to the site, pixelatedsausage.com. If you see something you like, you can purchase the print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week and an absolutely lovely week. And 